Gal. guys and welcome to Galp. It's me, Bish. Hello, hello. I don't know how to start this episode off because I haven't done a solo episode in a while, but I was thinking about doing more solo episodes because of the fact that I just want to do more episodes. There's very interesting conversations that we've been having on the podcast recently in regards to older games, retro titles, Klonoa, Dynasty Warriors. I did make out a tweet yesterday. Actually, by the time you see this, it probably wouldn't be yesterday but a couple of weeks ago i put out a tweet saying what we're going to be focusing more episodes on and a lot of them were titles that are older with the exception of dynasty warriors 10 so hopefully we'll do an episode me and jacob and i'm putting it out there maybe chris gildart chris if you're listening i would really like to have you on again to talk about dynasty warriors 10 but yeah hopefully we'll do an episode about dynasty warriors 10 uh wish lists for that game i'm pretty sure that it's coming out i can't guarantee it but kobe's very predictable and so i think a Dynasty Warriors 10 is coming. Anyway, what is this episode about today? It's Dynasty Warriors themed and it is retro gaming themed. So we're going to be talking about the older Dynasty Warriors games today. It's Galp's 12th anniversary this month. So by the time this episode comes out, it is technically an anniversary episode and our first ever episode of Galp. We've talked about Call of Duty and games that I was playing at the time and we're talking about Black Ops and it was that many years ago. It was in 2010 and I spent a lot of time recently and that's probably why there hasn't been as many episodes. I spent a lot of time recently thinking about what Galp has meant to me what is it about when I started it initially it was a way for me to gain a voice right I was severely bullied at school I I know I've mentioned this on so many episodes before but I was extremely bullied while I was at school because of my gaming interests and because I you know I was like before I even knew I was a weeb, right? I was into gaming, I was into anime games, JRPGs, games like uh, Dynasty Warriors or Dynasty Warriors if you live in the US. And yeah, people didn't like that. People pretty much when I was at school, when I was in high school, they were playing COD, FIFA, possibly some Gears of War which are good games so don't get me wrong they are great games and i really did enjoy games like um cod probably not fifa as much but call of duty back in the day it was a very interesting time but there was that level of fomo i played those games because i've had that fear of missing out i wanted to make friends and galp was a way for me to get out of that right that's why you can tell that there was a transition period at the beginning when we started galp where most of the games that i was talking about were call of duty right and it wasn't necessarily a call of duty podcast but the earlier episodes focused on more western games and the reason being is because that's what I was playing at the time you know I stopped playing my Japanese games because I didn't think that they would make me cool you know kids at school at the time were playing Call of Duty FIFA they were playing other RPGs at the time but like Mass Effect and things like that and I wasn't really into that there was one gentleman that we mentioned before on the podcast his name is Daniel he's like a legend on kunai he got me into anime but it was Daniil and a few of his friends that sort of took me on, on board under their wing, right? I was still playing games like Shin Sangoku Muso and Dynasty Warriors and things like that. And they introduced me to JRPGs, right? These were the kids that were playing Persona 3, Persona 4 on the PlayStation 2. They were playing games like Final Fantasy. They were big Final Fantasy fans. And around that time, Final Fantasy 13 had come out. So that was the game that I was playing. I didn't really enjoy it as much. I didn't get past the second disc. And to this day, when I go back and play it on the xbox i didn't quite enjoy it as much so yeah it was a weird one for me but the main reason why we started galp and the main reason i started galp was because i wanted a voice and i wanted a safe place for me to talk about the games that i love and i took some time 
out uh, a little bit to kind of find my passion for podcasting again. That's why I started the episode with the gaming industry um, people, with Melissa Larson and with Nathan Mills as our first guests, because these were people that I've met in the industry and they were the parts that I loved about doing the podcast, meeting these awesome people and interacting with people who have the same interests. Right? They work in the gaming industry, but a lot of them have the same interests as you and they love the same games as you and they watch anime. So I felt really comfortable talking with them. And you can tell that within the episodes, especially the one with Nathan and Melissa. So those were really good episodes. As I was doing that as well, I stopped playing modern games. I was a bit sick and tired because we had a lot of games to review at the time. We were given a lot of games to review and we're in the process of reviewing them. But I was playing Klonoa. Klonoa is a game that I've never played before. And we'll talk about that in an episode with Jacob because that was a game that he played during his childhood but I felt a sense of nostalgia I felt a sense that okay this is a game series I've never played before but I felt very warm very comfortable while playing it so I kind of delved that in a little bit deeper and I thought okay I'm gonna go in and explore more retro games I wanted to play the games of my youth and in fact the reason why I bought an Xbox Series X is because I wanted to relive those games of my youth. And you might be thinking, what are you talking about, bitch? There is a game called SSX3, and I believe it was on the um, backwards compatibility program for the Xbox, and this game was enhanced, so it's running in 4K. So I think Microsoft did some enhancements to the game, and it's the best way to play SSX3. But I had to start a new save file, uh, because originally as a child, I played the SSX games on the PlayStation 2, and there was something missing, really. For me personally, I, I missed my old save file. I missed looking back at what I had um, in terms of snowboards, in terms of tricks, in terms of character customization options. And I look back at them. I, I booted up my PS2 for the first time in ages. I bought some new composite cables. I had to swap TVs around in my house because there's, most of the televisions don't have analog inputs. It's mostly digital inputs, HDMI, things like that. And that's it, because right? uh, they're 4K televisions. And I don't have a CRT anymore. so. So I have 4K TV, but it still has those inputs and it was in the living room. So I had to move my TV. I had to swap my TV in my room to the TV in, my, in the living room. And it was a bit of a mess, but we ended up getting there. That one had composite and component cables. So I plugged in my PS2 for the first time in like, the last time I plugged in my PS2 was during the pandemic and then it broke down. So I had actually went in and I bought a new PS2 from eBay. Obviously it's an old, it's a used PS2, but I fixed it up a little bit. I cleaned it up a little bit. I've opened it up. Was thinking about doing certain mods to the PS2, like a silent fan mod. But the problem with those mods is that they're so difficult to find in the UK. If you live in the US, you can buy them off Amazon. Uh, in the UK, you just have to go and search them on eBay and find like some sketchy guy that will sell it to you or find someone that is shipping it from the US. A lot of the time, it's not the ideal scenario. But yeah, so I fixed up that PS2 and I started playing and I started looking through my old discs, right? Games that are obscure that if I told people that I've played, people would be like, what? I've never played that before. Was that even released on the PS2? A game like Super Dragon Ball Z. I remember that game because it only had a Japanese dub. It didn't have an English dub. And I was used to playing my Dragon Ball Z game on the PlayStation 2 with the English dub, the Funimation dub, right? But that game, when you opened it for the first time, was like Super Dragon Ball Z. That's how I remembered it. It was an arcade game. It was a game that was ported from an arcade, which I thought was really cool. And it was like one of my favorite Dragon Ball Z games, but no one remembers that game. It's so obscure. But the point is, I went back and I played older games. I wanted to see whether or not they were just as good as I remembered it because I kept on hyping up Dynasty Warriors 2, Dynasty Warriors 3, 4, 5, 6, etc. Well, maybe not 6, but from Dynasty Warriors 2 to Dynasty Warriors 5, I would say those were my favorite games. And a lot of people were like, oh, I don't really want to play them. Graphics are shit. Gameplay is shit. This and that and the other. 
other. But I went back and I played Dynasty Warriors 2 for the first time. It's incredibly difficult, as you guys know. And it made me think, wow, I was much more of an experienced gamer, much more of a skilled gamer back then as I am now. It made me rethink a lot of things. But that challenge was there. And that was something that was missing from future Dynasty Warriors games. Sorry, I'm dipping between different pronunciations, saying Dynasty Warriors, and I'm saying Dynasty Warriors. The reason why I'm saying Dynasty Warriors is because for the adverts, you get adverts in-game for other Dynasty Warriors games. I think Dynasty Warriors 4 had this, Kassen had this, promoting Dynasty Warriors 4 Extreme Legends, that kind of stuff. So they will always say, Dynasty Warriors 4. That's how they would say it in those adverts. There's an example of one of the adverts on my YouTube channel, the Samurai Warriors. Samurai warriors extreme legends out now that's what you know those adverts were and they were promoting it as dynasty warriors but obviously the british pronunciation is dynasty warriors so please forgive me if i dip between dynasty and dynasty i know i'm going on a little bit of a tangent but i've been playing those games i've been playing dynasty warriors 2 been playing dynasty warriors 3 which was a game i'd never played as a child and i was like damn this game is really really good and i'm playing it on a 4k television i'm not even using an hdmi thing you really don't need it if you've got composite cables or component cables you don't really need an hdmi port Gen it doesn't give you that much of a difference in all fairness i wasn't even using progressive scan mode it was in 480p anyway i don't think i was even using widescreen in all fairness there is like a black border but it looked good genuinely i didn't really care I, the game felt good it played well just as i remembered it it was a lot more difficult and in all fairness there were certain things that were not difficult about it like i was playing briefly dynasty warriors 2 or dynasty warriors 2 and i was playing the yellow turban mission which is the first one as Jianwei. and there's that bit where i think you're fighting jung bao where you have to go up on this hill and he's pushing the winds and as a child i didn't know how to navigate that i was like i'm getting pushed back by these winds and then i realized almost 20 years later that there's like these little divots where you can hide behind and the wind doesn't really get you so i was like damn how did i not know this i had to ask for um i think one of my cousins he found it difficult as well he didn't realize it but he managed to get it. I think the way he done it was he was just spamming the jump and that sort of got him over it. But there was things like this, like it was a small thing, but it made such a big impact. And there's things that are missing in, you know, more modern Dynasty Warriors titles that we don't really see. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. I know that was a really long intro. That's like 13 minutes long, but I forgot to thank our sponsors, Crunchyroll and Sugoi Mart. So big shout out to them. Shout out to our sponsors. You'll be hearing an ad break shortly. And after the ads, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this journey that i've been going on in terms of retro gaming specifically regarding dynasty warriors 2 3 4 and 5 we'll be back in a moment before we get into the ads just want to shout out our coffee page if you guys want to support the podcast either monthly or through a one-time donation we really do appreciate it because coffee doesn't take a fee so all of the amount of money that you're going to be donating goes straight to us so that's really awesome we do have goals set up on there like for podcast equipment for artwork and things like that so anything you donate is going to go straight back into making this podcast a better experience a better show we will be using it correctly so i will assure you that so that is ko-fi.com forward slash get a life podcast. Thank you. And back onto the ads. Now it's a better time than ever to be an anime fan with Crunchyroll that has the world's largest anime collection. You can watch new episodes one hour after they air in Japan. Enjoy access to unlimited ad-free anime, read hundreds of chapters across dozens of manga titles and save with exclusive Crunchyroll store discounts. So if you guys go to crunchyroll.com 
forward slash kunai that's crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai for your 14 day free trial of crunchyroll premium service remember you guys we love crunchyroll we use them on kunai i personally love them i personally use them all the time we've been going to crunchyroll events for a long time long time sponsor of the podcast and you know what they are the best place to watch anime legally online with over thirty thousand episodes and at the moment if you're listening to this they've got the largest full lineup in history for fall 2022 with over 40 simulcasting titles that is insane so join crunchyroll with our link crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai for 14 day free trial in addition to that you've got different perks with your premium service you can either go with your mega fan you can go with fan service or your mega fan for 12 months personally the biggest savings that you're going to make is if you do your mega fan option if you live in the uk that's only 60 pounds a year that's vat inclusive that's cheaper than any streaming service at the moment especially if you're into anime you got all your anime pretty much in one place that's no ads unlimited access to the Crunchyroll library new episodes one hour after they air in japan for your simulcasts access to your digital manga streaming on four devices at the same time as well as offline viewing you would not believe how many times offline viewing has saved me beyond the tube there's no wi-fi there's no 5g i'm like ah, i want to watch anime boom i'm watching overlord i'm watching dr stone i'm watching naruto watching dbz you've got it all on crunchyroll so that's crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai that's crunchyroll.com forward slash k-u-n-a-i Back onto the episode. We are back. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed those breaks. As a, just as a little reminder, if you do want to support us directly on the podcast, it's going to be done through Coffee. We're no longer using Patreon, which means we're no longer going to be offering early access. We are going to try our best to provide early access a different way. We're in the process of deciding whether or not do it through Apple Podcasts or we do it through Spotify. Most likely, it will be done through Spotify, uh, only because Spotify users can be on iOS, on PC on android basically on anything so most likely it'll be done through spotify it's a very simple process but we haven't really ironed things out we're still in the process of transitioning so for the meantime there's not going to be early access early access will return i can't guarantee when so in the meantime if you still want to support the show directly you can do so on our coffee page which is coffee.com so that's ko-fi.com forward slash get life podcast and you can donate uh, i believe it's like three pounds a month or something like that which is decent i love that so please make sure you do that we love you for it so back onto this bit here I've been playing Dynasty Warriors 2, 3, 4, and 5. And a lot of people don't know this, but when I was a child, I'd never played Dynasty Warriors 3. Never. It wasn't a game that I even knew existed, okay? And there's a good reason for that. It's because when I was a child, I was like six years old or five years old when I was playing Dynasty Warriors 2. And that was when my dad was still alive. And I think by the time Dynasty Warriors 3 had come out, my dad has passed away or he was you know he was getting ill and i wasn't really thinking about games in that time i was just enjoying the games i had right i was playing a lot of ssx i was playing i think ssx tricky was coming around that time i was hyped for those games didn't really know about dynasty warriors and to be fair with you in the early days because these games were not published by koei and many people don't know this at least in in europe these games weren't published by koei and so they didn't get as much advertisement they didn't get as much clout as you know they would have done if the publisher koei had published so dynasty warriors 2 was published by 
Midas Interactive, which is a company that doesn't exist anymore. It exists, but doesn't. But they mainly were like a big publisher back in the PS2 era, especially for Japanese titles in Europe. They're based in London. Well, at least back then, they were based in the UK. You can find remnants of that company within Ghostlight, because I believe Ghostlight is part of Midas, and they still do actively publish games. And they were the, the publisher for Persona 3 Portable back in the day at least even on the Vita and things like that they were the publishers for that game but they don't exist anymore it's the same with THQ a lot of people were like well no THQ still exists Bish because of the Spongebob games and the other games that THQ made after they went into administration and went bankrupt it was a different company so THQ Nordic is a completely different company to the original THQ that will be very important later when we talk about licensing issues and you know chances of a Dynasty Warriors remake or remaster or something like that so we'll leave that to the side for now when i was playing dynasty warriors 2 i felt the sense of nostalgia and I, I got straight back into it and i loved it and it was so cheesy and was so nice cheesy in a good way this game had the cheesiest voice lines they were very basic as well there was like certain things that weren't voiced in those games there were certain things that were you know i, I remember booting the game up boot up screen was so simple right it was like three boxes and it was very reminiscent of the playstation intro thing and i know a lot of people would have been introduced to a game like dynasty warriors because of dynasty warriors 2 because when you bought a playstation 2 they were often bundled with dynasty warriors 2 and if they weren't bundled with dynasty warriors 2 you'd get a demo disc and that demo disc had dynasty warriors 2 amongst other games and ssx so i remember as a child i don't think we had dynasty warriors 2 originally I think we had a game, I think it was like Roller Coaster Tycoon, Rayman, a couple of games like that. And, you know, we didn't have many games on the PS2 to start off with. This was like within the first week of the PS2 uh, releasing. And I think also, come to think of it, I think we had our PS2 really early. Like we got our console before general release. So there wasn't really games that we could buy at that time. So we just had a demo disc. So we played the games that were on the demo disc and we were like, hell yeah. Dynasty Warriors 2, fantastic. SSX, great. And then when games started to come out, we were just buying a lot of games, including Roller Coaster Tycoon. I think we returned Roller Coaster Tycoon and instead we got Rayman or we traded it in for some PS1 games because PS1 games were still being released and still being published and you could still buy them in stores and I remember we got our games from Comet. I don't know if you guys remember Comet. I remember Comet. Comet was kind of like Curry's but I, I, I don't know. I... I think Comet was just nicer. Like I liked the scheme of Comet. It was black and yellow and they had a bigger gaming section than Comet, uh, than Curry's. It was just nicer. I just never liked Curry's. Curry's just felt like an old man shop. I, I preferred Comet. That's, you know, where we bought our PS2 games from. But yeah, they would have a lot of games in bargain bins as well. And after a while, I think by the time Com Comet was like dying down, there were like certain games that we had gotten from Comet, like Kessen um, and Kessen 2 and stuff. So we'll do a whole episode on Kessen, but my point being, I'm, I'm reminiscing about Comet. No one fucking knows what I'm talking about when I talk about Comet. Like, Comet doesn't really exist anymore. Comet is like basically like curries, but better. It's so much better. Fight me in the comments. Fight me. Tell me what's better, curries or Comet. I want to see Comet return, in all fairness. Um, I want to see the high street gaming stores. Well, Comet was an electronic store, but I want to see these high, high street stores returning. Obviously not in this economy, but there you go. That's besides the point. Next thing you know, I'm going to be going on a rant about Woolworths or uh, British home stores. That's the next thing I'm going to go on a rant about. And you know what? I'm actually quite enjoying this rant. That's like classic Galp. We used to go on rants for hours, talk shit for hours, and it was just great. It was nice. Going back to Dynasty Warriors 2, playing that game and looking at how hard it is. I didn't know as a child that you can go into the options and 
and actually change the difficulty. I don't know why Dynasty Warriors 2 and 3 had this, where if you wanted to change the difficulty, you could do so in the option. And I'd recommend if you're playing Dynasty Warriors 2 or 3 for the first time, then you need to change the difficulty to easy, which is not something that I normally recommend, but the game is incredibly difficult. Bear in mind, the control scheme, especially if you've been playing modern Dynasty Warriors games, you might not be used to the control scheme. Buttons are all the same, layouts are all the same, but there's certain things that aren't there. There's no weapon switching. There is bow and arrows, which were incredibly useful back in the day. Things like horses are a lot slower. There is a lot more enemies on the screen and enemies can really fuck you up. Like, you know, those privates and lieutenants and sergeants and things like that, and even the majors, those were really, really beefed up in Dynasty Warriors 2 and 3. Like they can do damage, like they can fuck you up, right? And we're not even talking about the commanders and the enemy officers and things like that. Those guys would beat the shit out of you. Like the privates would beat the shit out of you. Like it was fucked. And if you look at their character models, they're really beefed up and muscly compared to how they are. In the more modern games, they're, because they're like enemies not to think about, like you basically mow them down, basically. But it was a bit more of a challenge. Even on easy mode, it is quite difficult. I kind of compare easy mode in Dynasty Warriors 2 and 3 to your normal mode on more modern Dynasty Warriors, like Dynasty Warriors 8. Dinosaurs 9 or 7. It was that difficult, genuinely. And there is a hard mode, and I would never want to play Dynasty Warriors 2 or 3 on hard mode. But I was playing Dynasty Warriors 2 and I'd also realized that depending on which character you pick, your difficulty would vary. So it was a lot easier back then to play as Dianwei because Dianwei had more power. Dianwei had more life in terms of HP, a bigger Muso bar. It was just easier to play the game through as Dianwei or Zushu or even Guan Yu and Jiang Fei. If you really wanted a real challenge, play the game as Zhou Yu, play the game as Lu Shun. Those characters genuinely were incredibly difficult to play as, but they were fantastic characters. A character which in my replay, I didn't really think about as much initially was Sun Zhang Zhang. And back then as a kid, she wasn't really that cool. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. Her moveset wasn't fun. I was like, oh man, I want to play with swords, not these weird circles. Bear in mind, you're a six-year-old child. You don't really understand that those circles are blades, right? You you were thinking they were hula hoops. At least that's what I thought as a child. I was a bit of a dumb kid. So I really wasn't intrigued by that, but it wasn't really fun. And it was incredibly difficult because she didn't have, you know, good stats like Dian Wei. When I was a child, the only character I would play as was Dian Wei. That was it. There there were so many other characters, but it was either just Yan Wei or sometimes Guan Yu. I wouldn't get further than Hu Lao Gate if it wasn't for Dian Wei and Guan Yu. And I remember the way that I got past Hu Lao Gate was if you play as Dian Wei and you do square square triangle, which is your charge attack, your second charge attack. Because the way that movesets worked back in the day was you had your square triangle, which would be your launch attack, which basically would launch the enemy up in the air. And some attacks would actually chain so that you would be up in the air and then bring them back down like you're juggling the enemy effectively and those attacks were very useful back in the day not so much in modern games but they still do keep them in modern games because enemies were incredibly difficult to get off their horses and they could do a lot of damage on the horse because you couldn't really do damage to them on the horse because their hitbox was on the horse so it wasn't like if you hit the horse you're doing damage to them i do know in like more modern dynasty warriors games that if they're on a horse if you attack the horse and the enemy doesn't fall off you still technically do damage to them and i think it's an issue with hitboxes 
horses. But if they're on the horse, the hitbox is higher. So you can't really attack them. So you have to do that launch attack or do X and square or X and triangle. You do a jump charge or jump hit attack. And there was that level of strategy behind it. But the attack that I was talking about was square, square, triangle, which is your second charge attack, which if you remember, it's a very iconic attack for Dian Wei, which they kind of stopped doing, I think after Dynasty Warriors 5, because Dian Wei had the um, ball and chain as his weapon, as opposed to his iconic axe. But it's basically square, square, triangle was two hit attacks, and then he'd throw the axe like a frisbee or a boomerang, and it would come back to him. And that was fantastic. And seeing that as a kid, it was so cool, genuine. I was like, hell yeah, Dian Wei, Fucking love him, such a legend. You do that square, square, triangle attack. If an enemy was guarding, and a lot of enemies back then, the AI, a lot of people were like, well, AI is a bit shit in those older games. The AI, I would argue, was a lot smarter than today in the sense that there was less complications. They knew just to guard, it would make things a lot more difficult. Cause they'd be guarding all the time. You're like, how the hell am I gonna get past this? And obviously when you do the square, square, triangle attack, you throw the, the ax and it would hit them from behind because the ax is going behind their guard. Which for Dian Wei, not many characters have this but for Dian Wei it was very very useful because if you're fighting Lubu which apparently on Hulao Gate you're not supposed to approach Lubu and you're not actually supposed to fight him because and I didn't know this as a child I always assumed that you just needed to kill Lubu right so I was playing as a six-year-old fighting Lubu on normal difficulty it's fucking hard and I didn't realize that there was a path that you can branch off to then go and defeat Dong Zhua. didn't know that so I actually went in and I was fighting Lubu and the way I did it was just spamming that attack doesn't help the whole idea or the whole perception of dynasty warriors where people say oh, it was a button masher in this case i was a child and yes i was button mashing and I didn't realize that there was a secondary path that you can go on. So I was an idiot on my part, but you know what? I defeated Lubu as a kid and that was a great achievement of mine. There you go. Yeah, there was that. And that was a really good experience for me. But I never got past. I think I got to the very end. I was playing Wuzhang Plains as Jian Wei, which obviously Jian Wei would have died way before that. And even Cao Cao would have died way before that. But Cao Cao was still there. Sima Yi is there. <laughs> I was playing Cherbi back then. Like the iconic battlefields were there and they were great and they were fantastic. Did I like Wei as a faction? I didn't really care. I liked the characters back then because there was less characters so you could really spend more time with them. The missions are all the same. They didn't really vary from game to game. Dynasty Warriors 3 kind of introduced that. And obviously I never really played Dynasty Warriors 3 until now, 20 years later. Um, Dynasty Warriors 3 kind of introduced that a little bit more. You had a little bit of variance between your different stages and characters and things like that. And to be fair with you, it's a game that holds up. Also equally as difficult, but it has the same tracks. It has the same uh, stages. They're slightly changed. The music is pretty much the same, but remixed. You got iconic music pieces like Arena were introduced in Dynasty Warriors 3. And a lot of characters were introduced in Dynasty Warriors 3 as well, like Zenji, for example. I always had the impression that Zenji was introduced in Dynasty Warriors 4, but that's that's because I'd never played Dynasty Warriors 3 as a kid. I jumped straight to 4. So I really enjoyed 3. And then I, I realized, okay, well, there's other games within 3's library, like the Extreme Legends. And I went back and I tried Mixture again, which I think Kobe Tecmo was sued by Capcom regarding mixed joy. I don't know who won the lawsuit, but I think Capcom ended up winning it or something. I can't remember, but to do a mixed joy in like 20 years after the fact is in incredible. I really like that. It was really nice. You're popping a new disc in and having it load that data from a disc. And it made me think, well, it's loading the data from the disc for verification purposes. Because after that, after you'd loaded the data from the Dynasty Warriors 3 disc, the Dynasty Warriors 4 disc, 
disc or the five disc or whatever depending on which extreme legends game you're playing and it loaded that data from the disc the game actually prompted you remove the disc and put back the extreme legends disc on and when you think about it extreme legends doesn't have much content there right it's usually a challenge mode it's usually uh, additional character stories things like that so you wouldn't really expect it to have that much content in terms of file sizes when you look and get down to file sizes the file sizes for extreme legends are actually larger than the file sizes for base games and it made me think oh extreme legends is basically the full game is on that disc the full game is on the disc but you need the original disc for the mix joy to sort of verify that you own that content it's kind of like a weird sort of verification in a, in a sense like kind of like drm but obviously drm uses like connects to a server to just confirm that you actually own the game but it was like a very primitive version of that an offline version of that as well so it was like dlc verification the game was already on the disc and i'm not sure how one would go out and unlock that without that verification using the other disc so effectively you'd be paying twice for the same game and they charge you full price for them believe it or not so we did that so it was very interesting the fact that using those mixed joys and learning that the extreme legend game had the full game on it already it just it used this weird dlc sort of verification thing which was interesting i mean i did used to use mixed joying a lot with dynasty warriors 4 and 5 3 was a bit of a weird one because i didn't really expect 3 to even have an extreme legends when i found that out i, I had to go out and buy it along with 3 of course so it was a very interesting experience dynasty warriors 4 is a lovely game i know a lot of people might have their doubts a lot of people i know back in the day when i started the podcast actually got into dynasty warriors because of five i remember back in school and we're talking primary school here when dynasty warriors 4 come out and uh, around this time my my dad had passed away and i was really upset and my older sister shout out to christina my older sister she had basically you know bought us a bunch of games and dynasty warriors 4 was one of them dynasty warriors 4 and i think it was Kassen at the time but we played dynasty warriors 4 and we fucking loved it that was a good game genuinely and we had co-op for the first time because dynasty warriors 2 didn't have co-op and we never played dynasty warriors 3 which introduced co-op but playing dynasty warriors 4 for the first time and making your own character and making your own bodyguards as well and renaming them and naming them after characters that you, you you know you've seen in other media or television shows or naming them after your friends it was such a really cool thing i didn't name them after my friends because i didn't really have many friends so what i did was i was playing kassan 2 around the same time and there were characters that were there that didn't exist in dynasty warriors 4 some of them existed as NPCs, some of them didn't exist at all. So I made a female character called Sai Wenji, which obviously now Sai Wenji is a character. And there was other characters that I made like Mei Mei and Lolo, which were characters from Kesen. Uh, if you guys know, Zhang Fei had like three daughters in Kesen that were playable. So yeah, I just made up these characters, right? Ma Dai was one of them as well that I, I made up these characters for. And if I couldn't make them as playable characters, or if I didn't think that they were cool enough to be playable characters, then I would make them as body guards and that's what i did i thought it was really cool and the fact that you can grow with your bodyguards and they level up and as they level up their appearances change right so they start off as like similar looking to like privates and then they look like sergeants and majors and then they end up looking like npc officers which is fantastic and you can obviously do that the same with the female bodyguards but for some reason they leveled up in the same way as the male bodyguards but they didn't have different appearances as they leveled up they had the same character model which was a bit shitty but yeah it was a bit unfortunate i really would have loved to have seen that but usually i think in the older koei games at least when it came to those 
female bodyguards and female NPCs, the way that they did them was that there wasn't actual NPCs that were female characters, if that made sense. So any sort of female character in the game was playable. So it's not like they put Zenji as a generic a female NPC. And I think it's still the same with Dynasty Warriors now. Any Dynasty Warriors game to this day doesn't have female NPCs. They have female playable characters only and that's it. The only sort of NPCs that you see is that if, for example, you're fighting Zenji, she'll have female bodyguards, which were exactly the same looking as your female bodyguards uh, for yourself. So that was the only option that they had there. Are we going to see female NPCs in future Dynasty Warriors games? I would like to see that. I think that would be really cool. One thing that I really did enjoy as well was this one was a game that had a branching storyline and unlockables which dynasty warriors 2 kind of did and kind of didn't right you can unlock new characters you unlock new stages there's certain things that you would need to do and especially back then we had the internet but people weren't really talking on forums about how to unlock characters or how to unlock stuff like way of the muso and orbs and things like that no one knew people just figured it out themselves or they read it in magazine like uh you know official playstation magazine or in famitsu or whatever they would read this stuff in magazine i never knew that I didn't really read them off on magazines, but we were lucky enough back then to have like really primitive internet, which dial up and I think really early broadband, a uh, broadband, really early broadband connections. So we were lucky enough to have that. Not many people did. So we look up on forums and I think it got to a point where we were using forums like Koei Warriors. I don't know how old Koei Warriors was at that time, but we were using Koei Warriors. And that's a fun fact. Chin, the uh, previous community manager of Koei Tecmo, actually created Koei warriors and chin if you're listening i know you're not in the gaming industry anymore but i'd love to have you on the podcast not to talk about koei but to talk about koei warriors and how you started it off because genuinely that is a very interesting story that not many people know about and i think more people should know about it that's your official invitation chin but yeah koei warriors so we'd look on koei warriors and we'd find out oh wow okay this is what we need to do to get this this and this i think more so we were using koei warriors around dynasty warriors 5 not so much on dynasty warriors 4 but we were using koei warriors and we'd get all these sort of how to unlock this character and how to unlock this orb and how to unlock this and this and this and that was really cool and oddly enough my sister the one that i told you our older sister shout out to tina and she actually done her research on these games right she never really used to play them she had her research on like she would do research on these games she would send us these games right she would tell us you'd like this game that's why you know when kasen came out she got us kasen because she was like oh you'd, you'd like kasen i'm pretty sure you'd like it it's set in the same sort of time as uh shinsangoku so you'd enjoyed and even back then because she'd buy these magazines and i didn't know this she'd buy all these gaming magazines and i asked her i said well i didn't know this as a kid i was like why is it called dynasty warriors 2 where's dynasty warriors 1 and she was like well dynasty warriors 1 was a ps1 game and it was a fighting game so she told us this so she knew this information we never owned a ps1 but she told us this information she did a really good investigative journalism uh she wasn't a journalist but she did some really good journalism on that and she'd done research and back then it was really difficult to research these things and she told me she was like yeah dynasty warriors 2 is the first game in the shinsangoku muso series and I, I, that used to confuse me as a kid i was like what how is that the first game has got two in it i know how numbers work and she explained it to us that in japan it had a different name shinsangoku muso which means new sangoku muso somewhat that, that's kind of the explanation that i was given as a child so she gave us that backstory there and anyway so we used to play dynasty warriors 4 all the time such a good game and going back and playing it was just great and going back and reliving those old saves and we play on hard mode we'd play on chaos mode and i was like hell yeah because it would tell you the other second player and back then it would do split screen split screen on a crt it's a 
fucking pain in the ass. And in all fairness, we had a big CRT back then. I mean, we had this huge Sony CRT, which I'm very upset about that we got rid of a few years ago. Actually, not a few years ago. We got rid of it 10 years ago. That CRT at the time had like a lot of component and composite inputs. It was an excellent CRT because it was one that my dad personally bought back in the 90s or like the early 2000s. It was a really, really good CRT, like genuinely one of the best. And it had all of the composite inputs at the front. So you could plug in all your consoles at the front and they had multiple composite inputs and it was just fantastic. And you had multiple SCART inputs. Uh, for people that don't know, SCART, I think was a European standard connector that you could plug in like VCRs and games consoles into. I love SCART. So we got rid of that and I was upset that we got rid of it because at the same time now I, I go back to it and I'm like, damn, I should have kept that CRT. It was a huge fucking CRT. It was like, I don't know if it was like, I don't know how big it was heavy, but I don't know how big it was. I think it was maybe like 20 inch CRT. I think it was bigger than a 20 inch. I think it was like a 30 inch CRT. It was huge. It was genuinely huge because my dad used to have it in his office. It was a huge CRT and we got rid of it because, well, we were like, well, why do we need this shitty CRT? You know, everything's going digital now because in the UK, everything switched over to digital uh, from analog to digital, even television and stuff like that. So people were getting rid of their CRTs and I think people didn't necessarily realize how decent they were for retro gaming because these consoles were still not considered as retro and you were getting consoles at that point that were, you know, PS3, Xbox 360, you know, consoles that were using HDMI as a standard and devices, whether it was sky television boxes or satellite dishes, things like that. Receivers were also HDMI. So everything moved towards HDMI and people got rid of their CRTs. We got rid of ours, but as I was saying, with Dynasty Warriors 4 was that we were playing on a CRT and the split screen was so small, even on the CRT. And there was a huge CRT, but even on the CRT, they were small. Um, and at that point, I think we'd also transitioned over to plasma televisions, which still had those inputs, but it wasn't the same, right? The games looked a bit odd. They looked a bit fuzzy. They were like, what the hell's going on? And when I plugged it into my television, I think I'm using like a very basic LG 4K TV, but it had the composite and component inputs. The game looked great, genuinely. There was not really any upscaling going on. Yes, I was playing the game in 480p, but it looked fantastic. I was like, damn, this game still holds up. And it looks better than playing it on the PlayStation 3. And I know it sounds really dumb and a lot of people won't agree with me, but if you've ever played Dynasty Warriors 4 or Dynasty Warriors 5 on a PlayStation 3 using PlayStation 3's internal emulation, and I'm not talking about the PlayStation 3 that you use the discs for PS2 games. I'm talking about your later PS3 models like the Slim and Super Slim. Those ones, you could play PS2 games through emulation. Emulator wasn't that good. And especially if you're doing HDMI out, it doesn't look that good. But yeah, we were using that. And playing split screen was very difficult, but we made it a challenge, right? It was me and my sister. You guys know Georgina. She's on Umai. Go and check out Umai. But me and my sister, we were playing Dynasty Wars 4, 5, I think even up to 7 and 8, we were playing split screen. We didn't do it on Dynasty Warriors 9 because fun fact, Dynasty Warriors 9 didn't have split screen and it was patched in later on. I think a year after the game came out or like half a year after the game came out. So up until Dynasty Warriors 8, we were playing the game split screen, which was really cool. And going back at those old saves from 20 years ago, we'd usually have these really fun pairings. Like if we were playing as Wu, okay, I'd be Zhou she'd be Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu was like her favorite character at the time. Zhou Yu was my favorite character at the time. Or we'd pair it up differently, you know, 
one of us would be one uh, would be Shakyao and the other one would be Dakyao. Like that's how we would, we'd pair these things. Or we do Guan Yu and Zhang Fei. Or we do, I'm trying to remember the other combinations that we had. We didn't play Shu as much. It was mostly Wu. Like we were a Wu family. It was all about Wu. But we'd play on occasion characters from Wei. The pairing usually would be Zhang He and Zhenji, right? I'd play a Zhang He, or this would play a Zhenji. Or it would be Dian Wei and Shu Zhu. She would play as Dian Wei. I'd like it's, it's stuff like that like there was these fun combinations like we had to make sure that the characters matched like it was just weird but we also continued doing that into the dynasty warriors 5 when chaos mode existed i don't know if you guys remember chaos mode but we had played dynasty warriors 5 a shit ton i'd say probably more than dynasty warriors 4 but we'd played dynasty warriors 5 so much to the point where we wanted more of a challenge and we were like okay we're gonna max out the characters and see how long we'd last in chaos and it was always a challenge for us because as soon as we unlocked chaos mode we were like okay we need to play this and we got our asses handed to us chaos mode is very difficult to play by yourself if you don't have a second player especially in dynasty warriors 5 so we'd rely on having the second player healing one another you'd have to make sure you got the right bodyguards because you know if we had bodyguards that would heal you because you can rely on yourself to protect yourself or you can rely on your teammate in my case my sister to rely on you like to rely on defending you especially if your health is low but you couldn't heal one another that wasn't really possible so you'd have each one of your bodyguards make sure that you'd level up your healing bodyguards or your magic bodyguards so that they could heal you especially if there wasn't any supply bases and things like that so each game it was very interesting is that each game was very unique right dynasty warriors 4 had introduced new characters new weapon leveling systems branching stories uh what if stories as well which is very unique for the time which we end up seeing in games like dynasty warriors 8 and then you have dynasty warriors 5 which was more story driven right so each character had their own individual story which we saw in dynasty warriors 7 like it was fantastic so these games were really good um back then and replaying them again rekindled my love for dynasty warriors and rekindled my love for koei tecmo as a company or back then was known as koei but it rekindled my love for gaming and in fact for gaup because these were the games that led me to create gaup and obviously now i'm playing more modern games i'm losing that essence right i haven't seen a game in a while that's made me feel that good in terms of Dynasty Warriors, I was really put off by Dynasty Warriors 9. You guys know that. And the other subsequent Koei offerings after that, Orochi 4. I gave it a good score, but bear in mind, I will admit this. The reason why I gave it a good score was because I was fed up of Dynasty Warriors 9 and... I really enjoyed Orochi 4 and I did and then it gets to a certain point where I go back and I play Orochi 4 and I'm like this game is mindless drivel it's mindless like it gets to a point where you level up your characters and you put them through this like prestige mode is the only way that I can imagine it it's like it resets your level back to zero and then you level up again to 99 and then you do it again and again and again and again until the character is so powerful that even if you play on nightmare mode I think nightmare was introduced in Dynasty Warriors 6 or 7 but nightmare mode was the mode beyond chaos so you you could play the game on that mode and it would be piss easy like there's no fun in that genuinely you end up playing as the same characters Ryu Hayabusa or Natore E or Naomasa E it's like you you end up playing as these characters and it's a bit annoying because you know that you get through the stage quickly and you could say well that's down to the user but the game makes it incredibly easy to break itself you know what I mean Koei added these features in and it's a bit annoying so there are games like that that I do enjoy and you know but after a while those games get really stale and you can't really go 
go back and replay them. Like in 10 years time or in 20 years time, I don't think I'm going to boot up my PS4 or PS3 and play Orochi 4. No, might play Orochi 3, don't get me wrong, but I know most likely that I'll go back and in 40 years time even, boot up Dynasty Warriors 2 or Dynasty Warriors 4 and enjoy it the same way that I do now. So before we go on an ad break, I want to talk about how I'm playing my games, my retro games. I am playing it on an original PS2 with the discs because otherwise you wouldn't be able to meet Joy with the original memory cards and my original saves. The controllers are slightly different. I'm using a lovely controller by Retro Fighters called the Retro Fighter Defender Controller. They are not sponsored. We're not sponsored by them, but they are fantastic controllers. And if you are looking for a great controller for the PS2 or PlayStation 1, they're great because they come with the original connectors for I think 2.4 gigahertz wireless and it comes with a Bluetooth dongle so you can use it on the PlayStation 3. If you are using it on the PlayStation 3, you don't have six axis support and there will be a separate controller coming out with that but it won't have the ps1 or ps2 functionality but to be fair with you if you are playing games like dynasty warriors you really don't need that six axis support or that motion controls or whatever so no need to worry about that also if you are using the dongle the usb dongle it will take up a usb port because it doesn't pair natively to that console without using the usb dongle so bear in mind but if you are using a ps1 ps2 best console um controller hands down my personal opinion even better than the dual shocks it's more similar to a modern controller it feels like a pro controller it feels like an xbox controller but with the playstation layout and some lovely features as well like a home button a screenshot button if you're using it on switch things like that it's a fantastic little controller alternatively and they're not a sponsor as well if you want to use existing controllers that you own like dualshock or dualsense controller or an, or an xbox 360 or an xbox one controller you can use the brook adapter which is around the same price but it, it basically it has a connector and on that connector is a usb hub so you can use wired controllers if you want to or Bluetooth controllers. So either way, go with the Retro Fighters or go with Brook. It's up to you. The Brook is more versatile because if you have fight sticks, you can use them with PS2, which I do recommend. If you are someone that's in uh, into fighting games, go for the Brook adapter because you can plug in USB controllers. And I think that's a better way to go, especially if you built your own fight stick like me. But yeah, we're going to go on a bit of an ad break. I've been recording this for an hour now, which actually is surprising me that I can go on and talk about this topic for an hour and still be entertaining. Uh, I hope I'm entertaining. I know I've been going on a lot of tangents, but Galp is all about the tangents, baby. Okay, let's go on an ad break and we will see you after that. Before we get into the ads, just want to shout out our coffee page. If you guys want to support the podcast either monthly or through a one-time donation, we really do appreciate it because coffee doesn't take a fee. So all of the amount of money that you're going to be donating goes straight to us. So that's really awesome. We do have goals set up on there, like for podcast equipment, for artwork and things like that. So anything you donate is going to go straight back into making this podcast a better experience, a better show. We will be using it correctly. So I will assure you that. So that is ko-fi.com forward slash get a live podcast thank you and back onto the ads are you a fan of anime and japanese pop culture i know i am so why don't you get your asses down to sugoi mart all right that's sugoimart.com alternatively you can use our link getlifepodcast.com forward slash sugoi that'll take you to our special link on sugoimart that is getlifepodcast.com forward slash s-u-g-o-i and use our code g-a-l-p that is g-a-l-p for 15 percent off on everything on sugoimart and you can use the code multiple times if you really love sugoimart and you're like hell yeah i'm gonna go and purchase the best things that japan has to offer food and drink beauty items collectibles toys and games you can actually buy gunpla from sugoimart as well as a lot of things for your home 
kitchen appliances, bathroom, bedroom stuff. They've got these really lovely Spy Family campus notebooks. I'm a big fan of stationery, as you guys know, and they've got that there as well. There's some really cool stuff on here. You can also purchase experience sets, which is basically like kits to make matcha, to make onigiri, and they'll provide everything basically. Whatever you want, Sugoi Mart has got it. They've got a lot of really cool stuff from Japan. And as you guys know, every sort of month or so, they give us care package that we show off to you guys, which I think is pretty cool. So they've got really nice stuff included. They also sell Pokemon cards and a lot of genuinely hyped stuff. What we want to do is that we want to find out the weirdest things on the Sugoi Mart website and get Sugoi Mart to send them to us. So Sugoi Mart, if you're listening, let's prepare that. Let's just get the weirdest stuff and send it my way. And we'll, we'll talk about it on a episode of Umai. They've got some really, really nice stuff. If you want to get items from Japan quite easily, some really nice quirky items, then you can go to sugoimart.com, use the code GALP for 15% off on your purchase they've got some really nice stuff whether you're an anime fan whether you're a fan of japanese culture or even if you're a fan of disney they've got a lot of disney items on there so experience japan from the comfort of your own home with sugoi mart use the code galp for 15 percent off thank you sugoi mart for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and back on to the episode so okay we are back from the ads it's me bish and Maybe you're expecting someone else, but no, it's me. So once again, thank you for listening to those ads. Really do appreciate them. Consider sharing the show as well. If you really like Gaup and you like what we do, then share it. Simple as. On our final segment, we're going to be talking about the future of these retro games and what's going on. Um, I was recently on a live stream with Chris Gildart. And by on a live stream, I mean I was watching his live stream. Shout out to Chris, by the way. We love Chris. We stand Chris. Chris is like one of my favorite people on the internet because he's just a nice Canadian person. So shout out to Chris and shout out to all the Canadians out there. So yeah, Chris Gildart does this wonderful live stream on a Sunday. And a couple of Sundays ago, he was playing Dynasty Warriors 4 Hyper. There was a person in the chat that had recognized me and that because obviously my YouTube is Get A Life Podcast. And they'd recognize me and they're like, Bish! I was like, who the hell are you? Like, I didn't know this guy. Like, I never interacted with this guy before. I think they were from Asia, most likely. Like, Indonesia, I think. Because we have a big audience in Indonesia and in the Philippines and Vietnam. And I think Taiwan as well. So, shout out. If you're listening in those countries, shout out to you guys. Love you. And thanks for listening. But, yeah. So, this guy recognized me. He was like, Get A Life Podcast, man. I love I love your podcast. And he posed a question to me during the chat. He was like, what do you think about Dynasty Warriors remastered. Are we ever going to get one? And I get questioned on this a lot as if people think I know Koei's every move. I will say this from now. I don't work for Koei. That's point number one. Point number two is Koei is very predictable. That is the reason why I know a lot about Koei. Bear in mind, I've been playing Koei games for like like my first games were Koei games. So since I got into gaming, Koei games were my forte. I pretty much know everything Koei is doing because of investigative journalism, right? Because I can put pieces together. And I think it's easy enough for all of us to do the same. Because once again, Koei is very predictable as a company. So is Koei going to do a Dynasty Warriors 
remake or remastered or re-release as in the older game similar to sengoku basara how they do sengoku basara hd collection are we going to see something like that there's always a possibility i will say that there is always a possibility but i've i've lost hope every year since dynasty warriors 8 until recently every year around the time of tgs i'm like guys we're gonna see it we're gonna see it this year we're gonna see a remastered announcement or remake announcement the reason being is because around the time of dynasty warriors 7 there was dlc where they had remixed uh, original tracks so original audio costumes from the older games as well as stages for the conquest mode i don't know if you guys remember conquest mode but it was the mode that you had these little tiles that you do missions on and they had remixed tracks the tracks and the stages were the same the story within the stages was slightly different so you would be playing hulao gate from dynasty warriors 2 and 3 or you'd be playing um yellow turbans from dynasty warriors 5 like you'd play the iconic stages it wasn't all the stages but it was the most iconic stages from those games and it was fantastic and they were built in the dynasty warriors 7 engine and it just looked great you're playing them in hd after all this time and we stopped seeing that that wasn't something that was introduced in dynasty warriors 8 right which we could have seen in the ambition mode in dynasty warriors 8 but we didn't or we could have seen it in a dlc but once again we didn't even though dynasty warriors 8 is pretty much built off the same engine as dynasty warriors 7 that's why a lot of the dlc basically were ported over um and you basically had to buy them again because the dlc was pretty much the same in terms of costumes and stuff so i was just asking genuinely every year because we saw this and we're like okay let's we'll get this we already have the assets for this in theory koei can make a remastered game or a remade game using new assets using new character models in those old costumes using hd character models koei has this information there koei has this stuff there because they've done it with empires right they make a new game from existing character models same with extreme legends they have that and they have the resources it wouldn't take koei time to do this because they have all of this it wouldn't take them that much time give it a year tops for them to do that at least with one game they could probably do probably like five games if they really gave a lot of resources to it we would see it i was expecting instead of dynasty warriors 9 i was expecting a game for the anniversary of either omega force or of of koei tecmo or in fact of dynasty warriors so obviously dynasty warriors 9 was for the anniversary of dynasty warriors and then warriors orochi 4 was the anniversary of omega force so i was expecting that we would get a remastered collection minimum remastered and what do i mean by remastered so i have to define this before we kind of get more into this but what i mean by a remake is a game that is built from the ground up often using a new engine it will have a similar story but it might not have a similar story in the case of a game like final fantasy 7 remake sometimes you'll get new characters so it's using the same sort of basis that that original game was made of right that's a remake completely different game using the same sort of building blocks as the original a remaster is often the exact same game ported over but using new assets using new character models but the gameplay remains the same story remains the same you know there will be enhancements so consider that as an enhanced version of a game right similar to something like klonoa right klonoa i would consider as a remaster it's not a remake it's a remaster and then you have a flat out re-release which is what we've seen koei do before in terms of re-releasing older titles often ps2 titles on the playstation 3's psn right we saw that with dynasty warriors 2 and 3 in japan we saw that with dynasty warriors 4 and 5 in europe we never got them in the us apparently but you can still find them 
in Asia. Um, if you go on the Singaporean uh, PlayStation Store, if you go on the, I think the Malaysian PlayStation Store as well, uh, I think also Taiwanese PlayStation Store, you can find them on there as well as the Japanese store. But obviously the, I think the Singaporean store will have an English version of the game on there. So if you still want to download those games, the best way of doing it is, you know, having a Singaporean account and then paying in Singaporean dollars to get those versions. I don't know if they're still on the Singapore PlayStation store. They might not be. View that at your own risk. They might not be. So um, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. The way that I got them was I got them from the European store. I got them from the UK PlayStation store back in the day before they sort of kind of started to cull out the store. Koei, what they've done recently is that they've removed Dynasty Warriors 4 and 5 and Kassan and basically every one of their Musou games and every one of their older PS2 titles that they were supporting on the PlayStation 3 store, they've removed them. And you'd think it's because of this new Sony offering of PSN with the new PlayStation Plus tiers being similar to Game Pass. And Koei have been supporting it with games like Bladestorm, mostly PlayStation 3 games, but I haven't seen any PS2 games from them. And I thought that, oh, when they had removed Dynasty Warriors 5 and 4 from the PlayStation store on the PS3, when they delisted them, that they would bring them to the ps5 and ps4 through ps2 emulation on the new ps plus platform but they didn't and that was another thing that made me think oh okay that means kobe is going to be releasing them as a full game right tends to be the case that games companies delist the game if they're going to be re-releasing it or doing a remaster or working on something is kobe working on something i don't know it's more likely that they are they could be they could be working on something i will never know that information what i do know is this many people ask well how come dynasty warriors 4 and dynasty warriors 5 were released but not Dynasty Warriors 2 and 3 in Europe and that's because of licensing. Back in the day, we did mention it earlier on the episode, back in the day the publishers and the licenses were dealt with by THQ and Midas, companies that no longer exist anymore. I've done some investigative journalism. That's the third time I've said that this episode. Investigative journalism. It's like one of my favorite words to say. I did some investigation on it for many years now. And I'm posting this out to Koei. I cannot find who owns a license. Dynasty Warriors 2, Dynasty Warriors 4, and games like Kassan 2. Because also Kassan wasn't on the PlayStation Store. But Kassan 1 and 3 were. But not 2. Because 2 was published by THQ. So... I've been trying to find those games. Who owns them? So I've been in talks with THQ, with people that worked at THQ, with people that worked at Midas, with people that had worked anywhere close to Midas. I've been speaking to people at Ghostlight, which is a part of Midas or was a part of Midas, and they don't know what's going on. Bear in mind with THQ, because THQ exists now as THQ Nordic, they don't really know what had happened with all the licenses and IP that they hold. Some IP they retained, some were auctioned off. So it might be the case that these IP or these licenses for Dynasty Warriors 2 and 3 are owned by an individual as opposed to a company. And if that's the case, that's going to be incredibly difficult for someone to bring them back out into the world. I've spoken to Koei just to confirm that the licenses didn't go back to them because there are occasions in which after a set number of years licenses do go back to the original license holder and, and stuff like that but i did speak to koei multiple occasions and they did confirm every time at least koei europe that they don't hold the publishing rights for those games anymore and they were the ones that let me know they were like you need to contact thq you need to contact midas to get more information and i did they don't know what's going on either because those companies 
went into administration. They don't exist anymore. So those games could have been auctioned off with a bunch of other IP, with a bunch of other licenses to the point where it could be passed down or the person that owns that license might have passed away, passed it down to someone in his family or have just been lost. The way that I can think that Koei could deal with it and to figure out who has that license is if the person that has the license or owns that publishing rights for Dynasty Warriors 2, Dynasty Warriors 3, all those Koei games that were not published by Koei in Europe is to then go out and publish them themselves on the PlayStation Network. And you might be thinking, why, Bish? The moment that you do that, you put your information on file, right? You have to register with Sony, blah, blah, blah. Koei could then, in theory, I don't know the legality of this, but in theory, they could then approach that publisher who self-published the game and be like, we want to buy the rights back from. And you're like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. Cool, Koei could do that. That is something Koei could do. The reason why Koei doesn't is because, well, no one has done it. And I'm pretty sure if someone does it or the license holder comes up and is like hey we'll we'll do that we'll do that for me i've always had this sort of dream in which if i find the license holder and i'm still searching for that license holder if i find who the license holder is i will personally offer them a set amount of money to buy that license and i don't think it's going to be a license that's going to be worth much and most likely if it is i'll probably reach out to koei and be like koei i found the guy you guys can go and reach out to them and do with it what you will if you want to buy the license or i could crowdfund it and be like guys we need x amount of money to buy this license for dynasty warriors 2 and 3 and if we do it i I am going to publish it myself on the PlayStation Network because then I'd have that publishing right, right? Or I'd just give it to Koei on the condition that they make that game and release it along with 4 and 5. That is possible. That's something that I can do. So I'm in the process of finding out who owns those licenses. It's going down a rabbit hole. I've been searching for like six years now and I'm getting closer and closer and closer. But part of me thinks that I want to do like a little documentary on it, but you really need more content for a documentary like that. In all honesty, the way that I'm doing this is I have to think about it in terms of is it worth my time and I, I genuinely think that it is so I am in the process of finding who the license holder is and if we do get the license I will give it back to Koei or work with Koei to then publish it uh, officially the reason why this is such a big issue is because this is the reason this is at least one of the reasons why we're not getting a release or a re-release or remaster or even a remake of Dynasty Warriors games right because the way that you do it is that if they went the Sengoku Basara route and did a HD collection did a Dynasty Warriors HD collection it means they would have to include the games that weren't HD so two three four five and include them all on one game that's four games in the collection kind of similar to and then you could do an Extreme Legends collection you could do whatever you want if you want to do them separately like Dynasty Warriors 5 complete edition or Dynasty Warriors 4 complete edition which would include the um base game Extreme Legends included and Empires especially back then Empires were a bit um featureless I'd I'd say they didn't have that many features or bells and whistles and things like that. So you had those kind of games. You could do it like that. You could do four and five complete editions and then two and three as an HD collection, right? Because you could fit three games on, on those games. You, that's how you could do it. That's how logically I would do it. But that's besides the point. That's how I would do it. Um, Koei wouldn't be able to do that because Koei likes to do multi-region releases. Unless it's something that we'd see in Japan only. That's more than likely. Kind of like what we saw with Sengoku Basara with Capcom. Koei would never release a game in the West and not release it in Europe and release it in the US or vice versa. They're not going to release a game exclusive to Europe and not release it in the US. Right? That's how Koei is with these kind of games. They don't want to split their releases like that. And it makes sense. But the reason why we're not getting that game in the West is because probably Koei wants 
a multi-region release and if they can't get it in Europe then they're not going to release it in America and they're not going to release it in Japan they might just do a Japan only release but then that would piss off the fans in Europe right and that's less money for them because now Koei apart from a lot of the Ruby Party titles everything gets released in the West regardless whether it has English dub or not all gets released in the West so that's Koei in that point so are we going to see it no realistically we're not going to see a remade version or a remaster or an HD collection anytime soon there is one other opportunity that makes me think we could see it but this is a very slim chance and I doubt Koei's going to do this because it's a lot of work to do there is a lot of legal loopholes that they'd have to jump through to get this successfully done but I don't know if you guys remember Attack on Titan the Attack on Titan games that Koei makes fantastic game but in the US they're known as Attack on Titan Attack on Titan 2 Attack on Titan 2 Final Battle all of that in Europe because of licensing issues, they're not allowed to call it Attack on Titan. They have to call the game AOT. And if you have a European copy, you look at the spine, if you look at the listings online, or you buy it on Amazon or whatever you buy it from, the game will say AOT2, right? Or AOT, because they can't use Attack on Titan due to licensing. So it makes me think, they managed to bring that game overseas, right? There was a lot of funding for that game. So they managed to bring that game overseas and managed to navigate European licensing and all of that kind of stuff. So... It makes me think, why can't they do the same with Dynasty Warriors? And instead of calling it Dynasty Warriors 2, they can call it DW2. Because Attack on Titan is the same. It's called AOT. People, you know, abbreviate it as AOT. A lot of people on Twitter, when they're talking about Dynasty Warriors, don't say Dynasty Warriors. They say DW8, DW7, etc. So they could call it DW Remastered Collection or DWHD Collection. They could do that as the abbreviated name. Or they can use the Japanese name. They can call it Shin Sangoku Muso. HD collection. They can call it that. But I think what Koei might be afraid of is confusion. There might be a level of confusion that fans of these older games wouldn't know them as Shin Sangoku Muso. They would know them as Dynasty Warriors. So there might be that level of confusion there. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why Koei wouldn't do that. And I'm sorry if I'm crushing dreams here, but I'm just being realistic. We're not going to see a HD remaster. Although there is an option that I will mention that is more likely and I think is it's what's going to end up happening is that with Dynasty Warriors, 10 or dynasty warriors 10 if you live in the us in that game i have a feeling and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in our episode wish list for dynasty warriors 10 but i have a feeling that game is going to be very similar to samurai warriors 5 in the sense that it's a more stripped down version of a game so it's not going to be as complex as 7 or 8 or even 9 and i don't think it's going to be open world i think they're going to go back to basics cut the roster probably going to be a roster that's similar to dynasty warriors 5 because i think dynasty warriors 5 had a good number of characters probably like 40 characters maybe 45 uh, characters and the way i'm thinking about it is 10 characters in each faction uh, including other factions and stuff like that so that's how i'm considering it and then obviously you'd still include your gene characters and Wu Shu wei and other and all that kind of stuff so that's how i think they're gonna do it but i also think that they're gonna either do it as in form of dlc like remastered stages and storylines as dlc which I think would be really, really good, especially if they're using original characters from back in the day, like Dian Wei, like this and that, or they're going to implement them into the base game as what-if missions. Now, most likely, it's going to be in form of DLC, but I think that's how Koei can navigate it, because in effect, that would still be a DLC that would basically be remaking um, the older games. They can navigate the whole um, legal aspect of it in terms of publishing, because they're remaking the game, and... 
well, they're not even remaking the game. It's a game within a game at that point, offering it out as DLC. And you can name the DLC whatever you want. They could just call it Classic Stages DLC. Do you see what I'm saying? And they've done it before with Dynasty Warriors 7. So that is something that they can do. Dynasty Warriors 10 could do that. That would be the best case scenario. We are working on an episode for Dynasty Warriors 10 and we are working on an episode for Sengoku Basara to talk about all of these differences. I'm going on a nostalgia trip. And so I'm trying to strike while the iron is hot because we have a lot of ideas for Dynasty Warriors 10. If you want to tell us your ideas for Dynasty Warriors 10 for that wishlist episode, please tweet us at Get Life Podcast. Join our Discord, getlifepodcast.com forward slash Discord. Tell us your suggestions as well. If you're listening on Spotify, there will be a little Spotify poll that will ask you what features do you want to see in Dynasty Warriors 10? And we'll use that. We'll give you a shout out on the next episode of Galp where we talk about Dynasty Warriors 10 and our wish lists. So make sure if you're listening on Spotify, scroll down a little bit. You'll find that little Q&A. Answer it directly on Spotify. We'll give you guys a shout out. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Galp. Big shout out to our sponsors, Crunchyroll, Sugoi Mart. Big shout out to the team and everyone that works on Galp as well, whether it's um, Galp or Kunai or Umai or Rajaraji Nomi. I want to give a big shout out to you guys as well because without you guys, we wouldn't have the show today. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Please tell me if you want to see more episodes like this, more one-on-one discussions where we go back on those stupid tangents again. Old school gout, guys. That's what we're going back on to. So please tell me if you want to do that. Also, please tell me which guests you want to see as well because there's a lot of guests that I really want to bring on the podcast. I'm thinking about BK, not Burger King, uh, BK from Rooster Teeth. Thinking about bringing them on as well as Swoozy. I really want to bring them on as well. We have an episode that we recorded with Mars a few months ago almost a year ago at this point it was during covid we'd recorded this episode we have the sign off from koei there was just some issue with rendering that episode out and obviously since then we got new equipment and new pc and stuff so that shouldn't be an issue anymore i do understand that it's going to be after the release of you know ninja gaiden collection or whatever it's called all the information is still there it's still relevant information it was still a great discussion about ninja gaiden and about master as well and how he got into ninja gaiden guidance so the episode is going to come out soon as well as part of our look into the games industry and talking to content creators as well as people that work in the games industry whether it may be press or social or marketing team or even eventually we're hoping to talk to developers as well so that's part of that i guess if there is anyone else that you want to bring on i'm, I'm thinking about a lot of other people like i mentioned bk swoozy we had master on so we'll probably bring him on again i'm thinking journalists games journalists i know some j- games journalists can be a bit um divisive and can you know some i know that some people don't like some games journalists but there are a lot of wonderful uh, games journalists out there like uh, jade king from the gamer she's wonderful never really spoken to her before but she follows me on Twitter and I follow her on Twitter and we've been following each other for a while so she's a legend so I've read her articles before excellent editorials and things like that but I'd really want to sit down with her and talk about games industry and all that all that kind of stuff the games industry all that kind of stuff Uh, and there's so many other people as well like I mean we talked with Nathan we spoke with Melissa I'm thinking who else we could ask on Chin we need to bring on Chin I'm thinking I'm just thinking who who could bring on Holly Bennett is someone that I want to bring on Holly if you're listening which I highly doubt, but Holly, if you are listening, reach out to me or I'll reach out to you. I'll most likely reach out to you. Holly Bennett is someone that I do want to bring on as well as some voice actors. Like for the longest time, I wanted to bring on Yuri Lowenthal, but he was working. When I reached out to him last, he was working on Spider-Man and he couldn't really tell us what he was working on, but he, was, he wasn't taking any interviews. Yuri Lowenthal, would like to bring you on. I'd like to bring on Aaron Fitzgerald again. KG Tang, I think 
Keiji is more of an anime voice actor now, so we'll try and get him on Kunai again. We did a short interview with him for our Jujutsu Kaisen episode, which should be good. That should be coming out soon. We did that episode with Jacob. I think it's one of the best Kunai episodes out there. So go and check it out. I'm trying to think what else. Who else could we bring on? Tell us. Tell me who else you want me to bring on Galp, and I'll, I'll try my best. I'll try my best to bring them on. I'm trying to think who else. Who else would be really good? There was an interview that I wanted to do with Chris from Toge Productions. We tried to do that during COVID, but it was just incredibly difficult because of the time difference because they're based in Indonesia. We're based in London. So that might be very difficult for us to do. But there's so many other episodes that we want to do as well. I'm also thinking about doing episodes with VTubers. So if you're interested, let me know. Like genuinely. I want to get Jazz. That's another one. Jazz. We need to get Jazz on the podcast and we need to get Will. We need to get all the people that I know in the games industry. Will, Jazz. Trying to think. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and get on Will and Jazz and all these people. And But yeah, but that being said please tell us who you want us to reach out to on the podcast and do a special episode on with them and tell us what games you want us to cover especially if it's japanese styles we'll cover them we are planning episodes on tales of arise scarlet nexus i already mentioned klonoa that one's already locked in klonoa sengoku basara we're also doing episodes on uh xenoblade chronicles as well as persona because the new persona game is coming out bayonetta is coming out as well um, there's going to be so many different games that are coming out, but, but just bear with us in our timing because these are big JRPGs and things like that. And as you guys know, JRPGs take ages to play. Um, we're finally getting through with our Final Fantasy VII remake discussion, which in all fairness has been a bit delayed because I need to play Final Fantasy VII, the original. And I, I want to play it on a PlayStation 1. I'm in the process of doing an HDMI mod for a PlayStation 1. I've never owned that console before, but I'm in the process of doing it. PS1 and if not i will just probably buy because i own i own a disc copy of final fantasy 7 in preparation of that which i technically could play on my playstation 2 but do i want to that's the question i want to play it on the original hardware to be fair with you so i could play it on the ps2 i could play it on the ps3 as well um nothing stops me from doing that i could also play it on the ps4 with the enhanced version which allows you to skip like grinds and stuff like do speeds ups uh, like speed up and stuff which i think that might be the definitive way to play the original final fantasy 7 so i might do that get prepared for final fantasy 7 and crisis core guys there's so many games coming out this year and whoa long there's just too many games ah so yeah just tell me what games you want us to see i told you the games that we are working on in terms of episodes we're not doing a halloween episode this year because there's just too many games okay um but we'll try our best to do that and yeah let me know what you guys think and yeah just drop me a line on twitter and tell me hey fish i really like this episode or i didn't like this episode or we'd want to see this person or that person so let me know what you guys think and i love you guys and i'll see you guys on the next episode yeah i was gonna say stay sexy but i don't think joe has allowed me to stay sexy wait wait that that came out wrong i don't think joe has allowed me to say stay sexy because they've let jacob say it and jacob's having too much fun with stay sexy and i'm sorry i'm genuinely sorry joe if you're listening i hate you how come you let jacob say stay sexy and i don't even get stay sexy all right i need i need to stay sexy joe and i'm sorry you need to grant me like a certain number of stay sexies i need it i know it's your thing but you know you let jacob do it i'm really upset you know, although in jacob's defense he does say the stay sexy really well in his in his defense he does say it really well and i don't do it as good with my british accent it doesn't it doesn't sound right but yeah i'm not even gonna say it out of respect to joe i'm not gonna say stay sexy so bye <laughs>